we probably need to have a disclaimer in front saying that that there were no participating audiences you know live there was not a a live studio audience here due to uh the virus that's out there that that we we were the first to do that and actually i cleaned the doorknobs with rubbing alcohol did you yeah and i licked them so thank you (laughs) so i'm safe (laughs) and a little drunk (laughs) (laughs) and a little drunk One of the people I enjoyed listening to a lot at the beginning of the campaigns was Cory Booker. Okay. Yeah, I love Cory Booker. Yeah, I like his. In particular, I liked his his way of of naming things that were happening. Like, that's something I think he's good at doing. A lot. So... Do you think that? Oh, I think so. A lot of progressives do not like Cory Booker. I know, I know, and I have, I definitely have, his his education things have given me pause. It's not his policy that draws me to him. It's his way of being, mm-hmm. in that I have watched him in, you know, like conversations where people are just coming at him and coming at him, and he's like, huh, hmm, thank you for your feedback. And then, and he seems to like take it, it's not like he's not listening. It seems like he's hearing them, but he's not falling into a anger thing. To me, it seems likely that being a successful African-American politician, you would have to be really gifted at not reacting when ridiculous things are happening. Absolutely. You have to... People, they couldn't understand why Obama couldn't get into that second gear. You know, where he gets angry and, and mm-hmm. things. And they know. Oh, that, the anger translator. Oh, Luther, the anger. <laughs> but. That's awesome. You know, <laughs> a, a, as a black man, to be a politician, to be a successful. It's hard to be a black politician. It's hard to be. It's hard to to be a progressive politician. It's You have to be a politician for everyone or people will. Just by your skin color, they've already pigeonholed you into being a certain mm-hmm. type. You know, of it. you're you're just going to be for those people. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to 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 be successful. It's almost like you can choose to be one extra thing in politics, hmm. and being a white man isn't any extras because that's the norm. Mm-hmm. So a white man can be, their extra say could be gay, gay, or could be being a socialist, socialist, yep, or being a billionaire. Although that just flopped no, completely, ever, no, which I mean, was beautiful. No. But if you are not a white man, mm-hmm. not a straight white man, then you don't you don't get to choose extras for your. You, presentation you, you don't you, get to be look how many strong women with true messages 
that were in the field that just gone. Mm-hmm. And that's not there. People were making progress on that. Like we've got the squad. But they're they're the next generation. That's this but next that's generation. Next generation, right? Right. This next wave of folks. I think we we have to get even more more progressive and less. I mean, moderate moderate moderation isn't going to get things changed per se. It might get things back on track, which I think God, that's what we need right now. Mm-hmm. Things are off the. F- the tr- we're completely off the rails right now. We're like in a young adult dystopian novel right now. Like, that's the only explanation I can come up with. When I see, like, even normal things like construction next door, I assume that it's spooky and bad. Because that's the backdrop of everything. Like, there's this... And that's what I wanted to say about Jesse Jackson's interview today. Because what he was saying was, we are voting for Biden out of fear and making our decisions out of fear and that Sanders is holding this moral center which i i think <laughs> is true like i think i think the idea that that universal health care and financial equity that those ideas it's a disservice to our society to call them radical i agree but damn it, I want to win this thing. I know. Like that's You understand? I mean yeah. I, I really I like the things that Sanders stand, stands for stands for. Oh, that's yeah. hard to say. Sanders stands for. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh I, I do. I like the pro- progressive ideas and I, I like the I like I, I there's so much I like about Bernie Sanders. This is killing me because you're right, Bernie stands for something. Bernie stands for a lot. Whereas all we can think about Biden is that he was great friends with our first black president. Yes. And that he has experience reaching across the aisle. And I am not opposed to that. Like I'm because he's been reaching for a long time. He's been reaching for a long time. He built the he built the damn aisle. Is Bernie that old? Are they the same? Biden's a younger one now. Biden's younger. What? Yeah, I think you're... But but Biden... Okay, like... Okay, here's the thing. He's had these ideas that he has never... Uh, he, he, you, talk, you talk about authenticity? That's burning. And that's why he has such avid followers. And I do think... like So I think about this sometimes when I think about relational cultural theory. Okay. Because when I think about the people who have been researching it and writing about it and thinking about it for decades including when it was really out there to say relationships matter or you should not you should be something other than a blank slate to someone that needs help to the point that they would be told things like this isn't real therapy if you if you're in that position for years and years and years like where you're sort of accustomed to being the person who's saying, but there's this other way. The person who's advocating for things that other professionals are saying are unprofessional or weak. You know, like the idea that that we would actually be moved by our clients mm-hmm. is something that was super duper, and even today is sort of radical, but, but was like out there then. Because you were supposed to be cool and removed and you could be the most helpful if you weren't there if you've been 
sort of like yelling underwater is almost what that feels like to me. And mm. I think that there's a good chance that, well, I can see it two ways. Mm. I could either see that Bernie's been yelling underwater for a long time. And I think that his a lot of the people who like him feel that and feel this. We've been saying this and we've been saying this and it feels so obvious that this is what we need. And we keep getting told to wait, which is exactly every woman ever in politics. They're not ready. They're not ready for We're not a quite ready person. for you. We're not right. quite ready for a, 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 a woman. We're not. Right now, you've got a lot of people who are who are voting for who they think will win, who they think they who they think a racist person would possibly vote for. Right, because before 2016, we didn't know we had those. We knew they were there, but they, we just didn't know there were so freaking many. We didn't know that half of our society thinks a, a, a closed, bigoted. We did. We. I don't. I don't. I don't think even me as a black man didn't realize that. I mean, we well, knew it was point, here, but you weren't as shocked, I think, as a lot of white liberals were. Yeah. Somebody said they said it this way. They said that. That Trump has been like a like a cold to most people to the United States. It's made you sick, mm-hmm. but it's been like pneumonia for people of color. And so the stakes of him having four more years, and then his son having another four to eight more years after that. The stake of that scares people of color to death and that's why they just want even though it wasn't perfect before they just wanted to go back to the way it was do you know what i'm saying they just they want to be able to start back at that zero because we are so far away from what our base used to be so you're willing to accept a zero (laughs) in order to not get a negative 20 yeah I think that's it. I think that there's there's definitely fear. Right now they're voting for who they think can get can 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 convert the most middle Americans. Well, and that's what so that's what Jesse Jackson was saying today. He was saying that everyone is voting for fear. Like people aren't voting for who they want. They're voting out of fear and it it feels to me like this is the whole like young adult dystopian novel thing is that everything is scary right now. Like it's terrifying that we have a leader who says nonsensical things about the pandemic that is happening. It's scary that we have a pandemic and that it's being mismanaged as for, for our country. And it's scary that such a big part of our fear reaction is to stop eating at Chinese restaurants. Oh my God. Like, or to be unkind to Asian students here in town. Like, all of that is almost mind blowing. Like, and it makes me anxious and more scared. And then I think the difference, for me at least, is that I don't find any comfort in thinking of Joe Biden being elected, I guess. Like, I think. I don't know that that's going to energize people to 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 bring to like flip the Senate. And I think that voting out of fear isn't necessarily going to do that. And 
And I think that we would still have the same amount of backlash from the right. Like, I think they're going to backlash and have conspiracy theories, whether it's Biden or Bernie, it doesn't matter. I, I, well, I wish that, I wish that were the case. I really do. I think Obama punted when he picked Joe Biden. He picked Joe Biden for the very same reason that everybody else now is picking Joe Biden. You're right. Because he he is someone who he is that embarrassing uncle. <laughs> he is that guy. He is that he is he is the there, there are people that will say, you know, that Joe Biden, he's okay. You know what I'm saying? There's people like that, that just, he picked Joe Biden to f- not fit in with with middle America, but to, to basically say, well, God, if Joe's doing it, he, that Obama might be okay. Or at least if something happens to Joe, I mean, ha- hell, half the people probably just thought uh, Obama was going to get, you know, going oh, to get shot. And there, then maybe Joe, would, good old Joe would take over. I'm joking somewhat, but I think we're doing the same damn thing. I can't really think of any new policy that Joe Biden uh, has. It's just he's running on more of the same, going back to being like Obama. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to pick an African-American vice president so that the optics are very similar to what they were when you had Joe Biden and and uh, Obama. That's what's going to happen, folks. I'm saying it right here. I put right, money on it. it here first. I put money on it. And it, it'll probably be a woman. A black woman. That could be good. That's sellable if we're talking about marketability. But not just the optics. I mean, it could be someone that that pulls him to do the right thing. That is... I, here's the thing. I think Joe Biden is a good guy. I, I don't. I think he will try to do the. Th- I think Joe Biden will do the right thing. But I think I don't know if he has ideas of his own on what the right thing is. I think he knows good, and he'll go for that. But Bernie, Bernie has ideas. That's what we actually need. We need health care. We need. This should be a big we, wake up. We, we call. need f- school that should be free. There's there's things that we need that hopefully we can have one day. But getting people to, to to you know, I think we're we're worried about right now. Like, can this get done? Can we win the damn presidency? You know, I I just. I will vote for Joe. Like, I'm going to... I would do that. <clears throat> and I, I will I will give money to whoever. I will give money to Bernie. I will give money to either one. I mean, but I just... I think... I think we're just... Like I said, I think people of color, we're just scared uh, of if it doesn't happen. But now you got me thinking. I mean, I, I, when, we, when I get to talk out loud like this... Well, you know, it's, it's I realize how much yeah. I realize how much I actually like Bernie, you know. <laughs> and this has been an interesting journey for me because I definitely started this political season. I mean, I loved Warren, and yes, I was that was my number one. Yeah, and I was cognitively aware that she had the same policies that Bernie had. Yep. Um, but I wasn't really giving myself that because I was still annoyed 
with Bernie for screaming. I just don't like the screaming, I think. But he's not screaming. Bernie. You think that's screaming? Um I think it's communication. I think that's just how he communicates. <laughs> if there man. were a woman who talked like that, they they would call her shriller than Hillary. Well they would. So so in that way I think it's screamy and if a black man did that, I think he'd be like so angry that it'd be terrifying. See. That we can't raise our we can't we can't uh we can't put bass in our throat like that. That's gonna blame it. What do you mean? <laughs> like hey. lift it up a little. Yeah, we can't we can't do that. We we have to keep it kinda I mean I used to I have to, when I started in real estate, man, I would talk like that all the time. Yes, sir, yes ma'am. How you doing? This is Don Griffin. Let me show you a house. <laughs> You're getting higher and higher. Yeah. It's okay. Let your wife into my car. It's going to be okay. I'll, get, I'll bring her back safely. It's really weird. You think I'm teasing, but... You, I don't think you're teasing. You, 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 I'm you, laughing because I'm uncomfortable with the basic truth that... It is... This is, this is the first time society. that I'm going to say... You're going to hear this. What? But it's very hard to be a... African American straight man selling that. real estate. <laughs> it oh. is, it is, and it's not just me. I've heard that, you know. It, it's it's hard to get people to trust you. So that that was my thing. I was thinking about today was how I'm happy for for Bernie's policies, and actually, what won me over eventually was I read this interview, I don't even know, it was some interview with him about the time that they released the ad and the um, hashtag, okay. the hashtag about not being selfish. And it was basically talking about when you vote, you're not voting for yourself. You're voting for that person over there that doesn't have health care. You're voting for this family that's drowning in student debt. You're voting for, hmm. I really liked that. Damn, that's good. Idea. And that's actually, I think that could be the same thing of a less fear-based and more love-based response to the coronavirus would be that I'm cleaning my doorknobs for the person over there who is immunocompromised yep. or the person with diabetes who's at much higher risk if they catch this. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for them. And you see, Bernie believes that. I think so. Yeah. I, I really do think so. And it's interesting that then we wind up getting into these, like, fights about it. Because I think there are people being sort of snarky and quick to react and a little harsh because they're defending love. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that's sort of funny. And, like, and how does that, that work? That goes back to me saying, I, like, I like Bernie. I just don't want to be associated with the pushy assholes that have been dismissive of women especially well there's but a also, lot of that i still think and i get people telling me i'm super wrong on this but i i think that that bernie has a race problem and and when i have this conversation the response i get is no his policies are best for marginalized people but within the past couple of days i've come across someone on on twitter who who was complaining like someone was like saying oh you know 
Trump's going to win again because you insisted on me learning your pronouns. Was the And it was a Bernie person. And I was yeah. like... Or the one where the... Yeah, they've said... You uh, made me think about race and now we're going to lose. Or the ones that have said... Uh, uneducated because of uneducated African Americans did not vote for Bernie. There's been I a imagine lot of that that's shit. happening. And African Americans, they know what they're voting for. And I don't know, like I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that we can't go around saying older black people are dumb. Oh man, we should probably introduce the show. <laughs> Okay, welcome to My Racist Friend, a podcast about the messy parts of relationship that helps us grow together. I'm Don Griffin. I'm Amy McKees. And you should have just said, you've been listening. You've been listening you've to been My been Racist Friend. You've been listening to My Racist Friends with <laughs> Amy McKees and Don Griffin. Yeah. Junior. You've, you've already gotten messy. <laughs> But a good kind of messy. A good kind of messy. Yeah, you're not going to get any virus from this. Right, because it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. I think the coronavirus is an interesting and useful way to understand all the things happening in our world today. Okay, talk to me. Well, it is sucking up a lot of our attention like as when i was scrolling through the news at the beginning of this there were of my top stories the trending stories there were three about the coronavirus and one about natalie wood Mm -hmm. whenever i check the news that's always like we see coronavirus like i am i'm thinking about it in terms of like how do we manage our office like we've got a telehealth office now Mm -hmm. and trying to change some of the the ways that we clean to make sure that we're doing that. And then another thing is that <laughs> I've had to work pretty hard over the last decade. You might find this hard to believe to get good at hugging. I was not good at hugging and I would watch my friends who hugged and I'd be like, Oh, I, I wish I got hugs. How come they are all hugging? Oh, you were not good at people giving you hugs. Well, I just wasn't sending out the right hug vibes. That is so sad. And it was a getting involved day. Mm -hmm. And so it was me and I was standing with another group with this woman that I think is like super cool. And I was a little bit starstruck at standing with her because I admire all of her social justice work. And like we were sharing a table and and I watched like this whole time was like a 45 minute span of time and all these people came up to our booth and like hugged her and then looked at me and like sort of smiled and said hi Amy and then I was complaining to my friend about this and I'm like oh and I watched her she came over to the to the booth and she's standing there and people will like walk up and hug the social justice woman next to me and then hug my friend on the other side and then look at me and go oh, hi amy and um <laughs> i said to my friend everyone gets hugs and she said you are standing there with one hand holding your coffee two hands holding your coffee mug in front of you as people approach you 
Oh my god, but you do that all the time, don't you? I know. I hold something like right in front of me. I can see it as you say it. I can see it. I think I I hug him more than I hug you. I have worked on it though because I like hugs and I don't know. I don't know. But so this has been something that I have like deliberately worked on on like being less weird about hugs and getting more hugs because I like I like a good hug. And there's a few people that I've gotten better with, that I've sort of practiced this with, mm-hmm. and I can't hug them now because we're not hugging because of the coronavirus, because I could have it all over me right now and we wouldn't know. And I think taking those precautions are, I think that's still important, like taking care of people. We need connection. So how do we get through this time where things are hard, like politically as well. So if like we have a political coronavirus and there are things that we have to do to keep us safe, Mm -hmm. how do we do it in a way that keeps us grounded and connected? It's hard because you just, you kind of want to live your life and act like it didn't, doesn't exist. I, uh, I went to Chicago for a, uh, a thing. A thing. For the city. Mm -hmm. It's, um, called Divided Community. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I can't, I'm not going to get into all the things that we did, but we went to Chicago and there are people from, people from everywhere. They're from the, they're from everywhere. They're from Virginia, from Oklahoma, you know, so, so there's probably about 50 people and I hugged every single <laughs> one of them before I got, I hugged there. I don't think there was one person I missed the, the, you know, I do the brother man hug and, and now <laughs> I'm wor- now I'm worried about it. it's been a, it's been a week I'm one I'm worried about that I gave all those if I have something that I gave it to all those people is that bad I keep on looking for something like Oklahoma you know Oklahoma <laughs> City uh, has a uh, has the virus or and it's traced back and it's Chicago. traced back to Don no. Griffin's hug <laughs> but uh, you know it's funny how. Not funny, but several weeks ago when this thing popped up, how there were so many people gloating about it being in China. Were there really? People were like, There were people like, ha ha, look, you know, like, like, I I think maybe this is the first time we see how quickly or how we're connected on a global scale. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that it spread that quickly from one providence to go... The world. The world. Mm-hmm. In not very much time at all. And we knew it was there. Yeah. And not enough time for us to do something effective to stop it. But I remember that seeing the videos and yeah, our, our actions, what we do here, matters. Mm-hmm. Not just with viruses, but with everything. In fact, if you think about our politics right now and the the right-leaning politics that we have, that's been global as well. It has. I think the United States, we're supposed to be the beacon of justice and the beacon of, like, what to do. And when they see what we're doing, we're we're the Charles Barkley of the world. Remember Charles Barkley was like, I'm just a basketball player. You know, kids shouldn't look up to me. Mm-hmm. Like that's except we're like, but do yes, <laughs> do look up to us. We're pretty awesome. But I mean, that's 
that's what's going on. If we can act this way, then and our president can do what he does, then so can everyone else. But when we talk, it makes it all feel better. Because it really does. Our fears are not, we're, we're not alone, right? Mm-hmm. We're yeah. not alone. And when we have this many people that are concerned, that means we have enough people to make the change. Yeah. Talking to each other. Yeah. With a virus, you're probably on your own, though. Just talk to each other from a distance of six feet. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> and if I go to hug you, don't, don't, just tell me no. Okay, I, I'm still stuck on the hold of the hug and the and the and the brother man like rubbing your hands together, doing the hand thing, the <laughs> hand shake. I'm trying to get the elbows in. I'm also I like the woo the foot thing. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm doing the kid what the, the kid and play is what that was. Do you remember kid and play house party? No. Oh, uh, everyone, go and uh, check out kid and play's house party uh, from the eighties. Dirty. No, nineteen eighty nine, eighty eight, somewhere around there. Kid and play. They were they were a uh, a rap group, a rap duo. I actually had my head, my hair, with my head hair straight up like that. Awesome. Yes, it was. It was on the side. Yeah, eighty. It had to be eighty nine because that was when I was freshman in college. Yes, kid and play. And they had a thing where they would tap the. That's where those guys, the picture that the the video you see mm-hmm. of the. Chinese guys doing the little kick on the with their feet. That's that's uh-huh. from Kid and Play. It was a dance. That was my that that eighty nine was when I was pretty much doing. What were you doing? Grateful Dead and Cat Stevens. Cat. So Stevens. I wasn't doing anything with a beat. Was it even called Cat Stevens by then? <laughs> no. Thank you. Thank you for this. This was a good lift. I needed it. Yeah, and if anybody cares about Cat Stevens, go ahead and write us. You know what we all should also should do? <laughs> what? I should, we should have ended that. That's what we should have done. But if somebody, if people have questions that they want to ask us or things that we want, that they want us to talk about. Yeah. Send it in. Send it in. Send it in. Yeah. This episode of My Racist Friend is a production of the Bloomington Center for Connection, an organization using relational cultural theory to promote social change through connection. This conversation between Don Griffin Jr. and Amy McKeese, LCSW, took place in Bloomington, Indiana on Wednesday, March 11, 2020, and was edited for this podcast by Kevin McKeese. Theme music lovingly sampled from Your Racist Friend by They Might Be Giants. Follow the Bloomington Center for Connection on Facebook and other social media platforms. You and your racist friend. Relational? That sounds kind of dirty. We're doing a live podcast. It's not dirty, but... But that did enter into the decision on what to call this building because my friend, the same one who taught me to not hold my coffee mug right in front of me when okay. I want to be hugged, thought that uh, connect, calling it the Bloomington Center for Connections with an S sounded like it was like a adult hookup place. Oh, the Bloomington Connections. <laughs> That's not going to be in here. <laughs> Why not? That's awesome.